Coming up next. You're always kind of waiting for what's the moment that will cause the wheels to fall off. And it was a, a sign of maturity in this group. And part of that's because of the transfers they brought in, the experienced guys who've been through some wars in college basketball, um, that they've been able to kind of weather the storm. Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated stops by the podcast. And? Jordan Brown's one of the best post scores in the country, in my opinion. And he's done a tremendous job. And I know we, we've shot the three-point shot well, too. Louisiana's Bob Marlin visits the show. Plus... Her grind mentality completely translates into this team. And, and you're right. I totally think they're they're a team that takes her identity. They're going to fight till the end. Play-by-play broadcaster Jason Baker talks Southern Miss women's basketball. All of that and more on this edition of Under the Sun. This is the Under the Sun podcast. Your home for news, analysis, and interviews from around Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. Now, here's your host, Jake Griffith. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Jake Griffith. You're locked into this episode of the Under the Sun podcast, where we cover everything under the sun as it relates to Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. Got a great show on deck for you today. We'll talk to Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. We'll also hear from Louisiana head coach Bob Marlin. His Raging Cajuns are streaking. And we'll talk to Jason Baker, the play-by-play voice for the Southern Miss Lady Golden Eagles women's basketball team. Let's get started on the women's side of things, and we'll take a look at how the weekend shook out in Sunbelt women's basketball. Perhaps the biggest storyline coming out of the weekend is James Madison. A week after beating Troy, holding off a furious late rally from Troy to take sole possession of first place, the Dukes dropped two straight games to Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Now they fall behind the Trojans, who are back atop the standings at 8-2. and two. It's JMU, Texas State, Southern Miss, and Louisiana all knotted up in a four-way tie for second at 7-3 and three in conference. Louisiana right now has won four straight games. They've won six of their last seven. As we look over at ESPN's Bracketology, the latest from Charlie Cream, their NCAA Bracketologist, Cream has Troy now a new addition to his field as the automatic qualifier out of the Sun Belt, obviously a projection from Charlie Cream, has them slotted as a 14 seed set to head to South Bend. They would take on Notre Dame a three seed, also Gonzaga and South Dakota State in that portion of the bracket as well. The Trojans and Shanda Rigby, who we had on our podcast earlier this season, in a familiar spot once again atop the standings. Second highest scoring team right now in the Sun Belt are the Troy Trojans, I should say. Remember, Rigby said, with a laugh, we want to score 120 points a game when we had her on earlier this year, and they're not terribly far from that 83 points per game, just behind Georgia Southern at 85 points per game. All year long, though, the talk has been about Troy, the preseason favorites, and James Madison, who had at one time the fourth longest win streak in the country. However, one team that might be flying under the radar is Southern Miss, the Golden Eagles, despite that surprising loss at Marshall a couple weeks ago, still hanging tough, just a game out of first place, as mentioned earlier, tied with JMU, Texas State, and Louisiana for a four-way tie for second in the conference. 
Joey Lee McNellis's group has always been known for their defense. That's what they hang their hat on. And they're back at their defensive ways again this year. 50th best scoring defense in the country, allowing just 58 points per game. You look at the field goal defense, allowing teams to just shoot 37%. That's 80th best in the country. They've been able to ride the hot hand of Dominique Davis, a former LSU fighting Tiger, to a 14-7 and overall record this year, 7-3 and in Sunbelt play. A couple of big games coming up for the Lady Golden Eagles, and our next guest knows everything about Southern Miss women's basketball. He spent over a decade around the program. Jason Baker, voice of the Southern Miss Lady Eagles women's basketball team, joins the podcast now to talk Southern Miss. Jason, thanks for taking the time out of the day. I know uh, we're getting into the dog days of the season, so free time is few and far between. It is, but man, uh, I'm happy to be here, Jay. Really looking forward to it. and was was fired up when I heard that you were starting this podcast and, and covering Sunbelt basketball. Hey, listen, you can never get too many eyes on Sunbelt basketball, especially on the women's side of things. We know how the, the extra emphasis a lot of places are putting on really wanting to help grow the brand of women's basketball. Yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, for, for basketball purists uh, like myself, it's really the game that can take you back to to your childhood and remember what uh, basketball used to look like, not so much isolation as much as it is screens and cuts and picks and rolls and different offensive sets. So I look at it in a, in a pure form of the sense of the game and uh, really kind of enjoy that. Yeah. Very cerebral. The women's game is very, it's a, it's a thinking person's game. It's very strate- strategic and you know, you, you got a game plan and stick to it St- uh, on the topic of Southern Miss women's basketball right now. They find themselves in a little bit of a log jam, a four way tie for second, but this team has looked very impressive all year long. Did have the slip up over the weekend against Marshall, but other than that, they've looked very impressive. What's impressed you the most about what Coach McNellis has done with this team? I think it's a sense of they've taken it one game at a time. I don't I don't think they're trying to put anything uh, ahead of where they are. I think they've just sort of kind of gone about it in a businessman-like approach. And um, I think that's going to benefit them certainly down the stretch, you know, to not try to get too high, not try to get too low. I'll tell you uh, that kind of rough defeat at Marshall, that buzzer beater loss, if you will. And and Marshall certainly deserved that win. They, They outplayed him in the third quarter, exploded in that third quarter. But I've been on that bus for 12 seasons now, and that was as gut wrenching of a punch of a loss uh, as I've as I've discovered during lady, during covering the Lady Eagles, and so, um, but I think what the good sign was they didn't let Marshall beat them twice. They respond back with a win against Arkansas State on that Thursday, and so I think that's a positive sign. And I think that sort of business like approach is is what's going to serve this team well as as we get ready to navigate this final stretch of play. Well, you've covered the Lady Eagles for a while. I've had the uh, you know the pleasure of covering them during Marshall's time in Conference USA when I worked with the Thundering Herd, and now Marshall and Southern Miss, just like old times back in the same conference. The one thing that's always struck me about Southern Miss is the way they defend. It's a very you mentioned the business like approach. 
you know, I, I think of teams like Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and I always say it's a very blue collar, bring your hard hat and your lunch pail because it's going to be a fight for four quarters. And again, this Southern Miss team, one of the better defensive teams, not just in the Sun Belt, in the country, 51st in the country in scoring defense. Jason, they say a lot of teams take the identity of their head coach. Is that something they get from the coaching staff? Jake, you're you're on it. Look, when you've got a coach that's beat cancer once, currently in a cancer battle, uh, you know, you tend to you tend to want to come and play hard. And I think defense is, you know, not that you can't schematically draw up a good defensive plan. But I think a lot of the times uh, in the game of basketball, defense is just about effort. How, How much effort are you willing to give for 40 minutes of play? And what this Lady Eagle team matches is. If and you've seen this, you've watched Joy Lee McNellis work on the sideline. Um, she never stopped. She never stops yelling, e- even throughout this sickness that she's battled in cancer. You know, she hasn't stopped one time. She hasn't missed one game. Um, you know, she doesn't miss. Uh, matter of fact, I don't know of any practices that I'm aware of. And so it's her grind mentality completely translates into this team. And, and you're right. I totally think they're they're a team that takes her identity. They're going to fight till the end each and every single game. And that's just who you know they're going to be. And it's really who they've been. It, it's a pattern of the team uh, during her entire tenure here at Southern Miss. She's had some more offensive teams back when they had Jamira Faulkner. And, and of course, she's a WNBA type player. And when Pauline Love was here, they played a more offensive style. But they never lost their roots in, in the fact that they play really good defense. And the irony of that is they say Joy Lee McNellis never played defense. She was quite the scorer uh, at her time as being a Lady Eagle. But uh, she is kind of transformed as a coach, and, and they really accept it. And look, I, I think some teams embrace it more than others. I would say this version of the Lady Eagles has completely bought in to the defensive mentality and, and they really look at it from a number standpoint and say, can we hold this team below their numbers? And, um, you know, more times out of not right now this year, they're doing that. And so they've also battle tested. Look, they're they're a, a top 51 defense in the country, like you mentioned, Jay. But they've played six teams with playing Texas State that have top 50 scoring defenses. So not only have they played good defense, but they face six opponents that are within the top 50 in scoring defense. Uh, in the country. That's with Texas State that they played on Saturday in there. So it's a team battle tested. And so they kind of know like, hey, we've been through the muck and and that's sort of they embrace it. You know, I'm glad you you brought up uh, Coach McNellis and her battle because it's that time of the year, coaches versus cancer. We see the coaches on the sidelines wearing the sneakers. You know, obviously, she's such a fighter. She She's battled through it once, like you mentioned, currently battling through it again. How much has that galvanized this program to, to come around her and support her, not just as coach player, but as family? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, when the announcement became public this last time, I think what you saw was a program that said, well, you're not going to do this alone. And so it, it was an embracing type thing. And of course, it uh, it was discovered right in the midst of our time during Conference USA and right during conference play. And um, she revealed it to the team before it was made public by about 10 days. And then she chose to make it public on a pregame show with me and uh, just kind of felt it was time to put it out there. And 
from that moment on, I, I think, yeah, it's a program that each and every day we embrace it. It's not something she talks about a lot, Jake. She doesn't um, use it as the battle cry, if you will, but make no moans about it. This team is fully aware of what their coach is battling. She's uh, continuing. She, she, I, I would think about 10 days ago, went for another PET scan. So they're aware when she's gone and, and, and getting a health checkup, there, it, it comes back to the forefront of their minds that, you know, we have this coach in a battle. And, and like I said, I think it's transitioned into their game and sort of a battle cry, if you will, of this program and this team that uh, she's not fighting it alone. And she knows that. And I think these girls on the Lady Eagle Club know it as well. Jason Baker, voice of the Lady Eagles women's basketball team at Southern Miss. Jason, you talked about it a minute ago uh, about Southern Miss past teams in comparison kind of to this team. And so I, I'm curious, you haven't covered this program for as long as you have. What would you say the upside is with this team compared to other teams? Just how far do you think this team can go? It's really tough to say, Jake. This this team has played some really high-level basketball. And then I would say this team has allowed some games to get away from them that they probably should have won. And they've not been the healthiest team. They're not the healthiest team right now. So it's hard to kind of put your thumb on it to say, hey, this team has X potential. Now, I'll tell you, you know, I think when healthy, they're as good as there is in the Sun Belt Conference, if you ask me. I think they have a dynamic guard in Dom Davis. I think they have one of the better posts in this league in Malia Grayson. And then I think they've got some role players that understand their role and embrace that. And when they contribute, such as like a Lauren Gross, right? They need her outside shot. If she can add that outside shot, all of a sudden they become a lot more difficult to guard. But of course, when you deal with injuries and they've battled injuries and they're currently dealing with an injury in Dom Davis right now, then all of a sudden you kind of say, well, I, I don't know what the potential is going forward. We'll see. You're going to see some players over the course of the next couple of weeks, I think, see some minutes increase as they begin to kind of load manage Dom Davis for a stretch run. And so we'll see exactly what that potential looks like, because you're asking some players that have not played 30 plus minutes a game to play 30 plus minutes a game. And, you know, late in the year and time and Sunbelt conference games, and these are some good teams you're facing. You just, you just don't know what, what that potential is going to look like. So we'll see. I, I would say if you, if you promise me we're healthy, then I would tell you that, Hey, this is a team that I think not only can contend for the regular season title, but maybe could go down to Pensacola and make a lot of noise too. We'll circle back to Dom Davis here in just a second because I want to talk about that. But you you brought up something and about the Sunbelt Conference and about the level of competition. You and I obviously covered Conference USA women's basketball through for multiple years, and that was a very strong women's basketball league. You had the Rices. You had Middle Tennessee. You had Western Kentucky. Charlotte with Kara Consuegra, who just won the league last year. Obviously, Southern yeah. Miss, uh, you know, the, the list goes on. I mean, North Texas, even UAB with Randy Norton. But what's blown me away about Marshall and Southern Miss and Old Dominion and James Madison, they're all first year in the league and covering these teams is just how like just fiercely contested this women's side is in the Sunbelt. Has it blown you away? Has it surprised you about just how fierce the competition has been in Sunbelt women's basketball? 
No, I don't know that it surprised me. I'll tell you what I think it, it has done. It's a different style of a league. I think Conference USA was way more offensive minded. This is a bring your hard hat, play for 40 minutes. It's going to be a fight till the end. Look, man, Louisiana got beat on a buzzer beater at our place a couple of weeks ago, 44-43. I don't know that they've lost since. I mean, they have been on a tear. And, you know, you hear 44-43 and you think bad offense. Well, no, I got news for you. That was two good defensive teams guarding each other for 40 minutes. And so you're right, Jake. Like, the depth of the league is really good. Um, I think the four teams that they added into this conference from a women's basketball standpoint raised the level of play. Uh, you and I both know what Old Dominion has looked like over the last couple of years in Conference USA. They can be as, as good as you want them to be. And then James Madison may have the best guard post combo in Kiki Jefferson and Kozlova. So, you know, adding them into this mix, boy, it really makes you wonder – you know, the depth of this league, I've not seen Georgia Southern yet. I've not seen Coastal. I've not seen Old Dominion yet. Um, my understanding, Georgia Southern can score with anyone, and maybe that's anyone in the country, uh, from my from my understanding. I don't know much on Coastal yet, but the rest of the league that I've seen, yeah, it's deep and talented. And, and I think, you know, you combine that with that hard hat mentality, and yeah, it's a grind night in, night out. You take Marshall knocking off us two weeks ago in Huntington. They were on a five-game losing streak, and they walked into that gym, and they you would have never known it in the Cam Henderson Center the way they played. And that's a, a tip of the cap to Tony Kemper and his club and the way that they played that day. And, you know, I think that's a symbolism of how this conference is going to be week in, week out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, whether it's the team at the very bottom or the team at the very top, they're going to fight for 40 minutes. The Sun Belt on the women's side, home to seven of the top 100 scoring defenses in the country. There are that is half the league. There are 14 teams in the Sun Belt. Half the league ranks top 100 in scoring defense nationally. You know, you mentioned uh, Georgia Southern. I had the fortune of uh, having Anita Howard, their head coach, on the inaugural episode of the podcast. And you talk about how they can score. I mean, she told me, she said, we, we want the defense to match it, but we want to score 100 points a game. And they just about do that. I mean, they said yeah. at one point they were the highest scoring team in the country. Uh, right now, I think top 10, still averaging about 80 points per game. But circling back to Dom Davis, I want to get back to that. The LSU transfer, she has been prolific in a Southern Miss uniform. Obviously dealing with, like you mentioned, the injury. But your experience of covering her, just what does she bring to this team? Uh, she's a warrior, Jay. She's she's a guard that you know, got told at LSU through a coaching change, she wasn't good enough. And I think every single day she shows up in a basketball arena, she takes that kind of mentality into that arena with her, and she's going to prove that she was good enough. And, um, man, Jake, she's special. She can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, and what I think makes her so special is she's willing to do whatever you ask of her to benefit this team. She's, she's a basketball junkie. Um, I would say she watches more basketball than any member of that traveling party. Um, she's been known to show up to local high school games um, just to go watch, buy a ticket and just go watch a, 
a, a big time South Mississippi basketball game or a junior college game. She's been known to do. That's just who she is. She's just a gym rat basketball junkie. But then what I think she's got such a great feel for is when this team needs a big shot, she's got that sense. Um, whether it's a layup, whether it's a pull-up jumper, whether it's a three ball, she's not had her best three ball shooting year this year. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why that could be. Um, but man, she's just the kind of kid that you're so glad she's on your team and you're not facing her night in, night out. And I think for Southern Miss's benefit, I think, you know, at times when when that basketball is, is tipped up in the arena, you feel awfully confident just because Dominique Davis is on your side. Yeah, Davis uh, leads the Sun Belt in field goal attempts, field goal percentage, and second in field goals made this season. Also fourth in the conference in scoring average, 77 highest in the country. She's such an impressive player. Uh, speaking of impressive, though, and I had Jay Ladner on the first episode of the podcast from the men's side. And the thing that's always impressed me the most about Southern Miss is just how tight-knit of a community it is. I mean, you know, you, you talk about Coach McNellis, you know, Jay Ladner being an alum, coming back and coaching his alma mater. I mean, you've been around Southern Miss athletics for such a long time. For those that don't understand just how much of a family environment is Golden Eagle Athletics. Yeah, it is. It's a town that, um, you know, a fan base that is so passionate and a town that loves its Golden Eagles. And, you know, I think on the basketball court, um, they've had some great years, but then they've had some down years too, Jake. They've they've had to watch some really tough basketball. And so when you see a turnaround like what you're seeing with the men or the women were expected to contend. This was a team that was expected to be at the top. And a lot of people have embraced that through the community. But to see them both having the success they're having right now in a new conference with all the momentum that the Sunbelt Conference has going for it, it's it's just X fold, right? Like it is just multiplied in terms of the passion and the energy. Um, there's a double header event coming um, not this Thursday, but next, so a week from tomorrow, where the women will play ahead of the men. And, uh, you know, Reed Green Coliseum is one of the larger arenas in this conference. It holds 8,000 plus. I would venture to say there's going to be 6K plus coming into Reed Green Coliseum at some point between that women's and men's game. And so it's a community that, that yeah, man, when it's rolling like this, they're going to get behind them and Look, Jay Ladner's story and what they're doing right now on the men's side is not not just special, but historical in terms of turnaround. And so that's a fan base that is embracing that uh, all fold. I mean, arms wide open. They can't get enough basketball in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And I don't know that that's uh, always been the case, but it's certainly the case when when you see that effort and that turnaround occur. It's a fan base that rapidly shows up. Well, and it just seems like, you know, even going past basketball, you look at the success that, you know, Will Hall's had with football, obviously, and the, ba the baseball program has had such great success, you know, ho hosting a, a regional and, you know, upsetting teams and being a national contender and ranked. I mean, it just seems like this is, you know, obviously I I'm 26. I'm a young guy, but it seems like this almost is like the zenith, the, 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 a peak time to be a Southern Miss fan. I mean, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I think there's a lot of momentum in the athletic department right now. Um, you're right. I, and of course, you know, it, it football is such a big key 
to to an athletic program's mentality for a year. And I, I think it sort of sets the tone athletically for most for most universities and most programs. And the turnaround that Will Hall had sort of gave the basketball team momentum. And now you're seeing basketball have the momentum that it's having by having some sustained success this season. And then the baseball team, you know, has just been maybe one of the more consistent programs. I know I, if I stand right, I think they're one of the only programs in the country with 40 plus wins over the course of the last seven seasons in, in collegiate baseball. I mean, they've just been a pillar uh, in that sport. And so, yes, I think what you're seeing now from a Southern Miss fan base standpoint is, you know, they can't get enough of it. They're drinking water through a fire hose right now with some of the success from these programs. And so, yeah, it's it's a pretty rabid fan base. Um, they love their Golden Eagles and, you know, they really love them when they're winning. And I think that's to be said maybe for any fan base, but the way passion and sports exudes in South Mississippi, um, they know how to embrace that and and they know how to be there for that. And, and uh, they certainly know that they're a factor in all of that. And, you know, right now they, they, they're trying to be factors each and every basketball game that's played in Reed Green Coliseum. You know, and I think that's such a good point, Jason, because I, I had Keith Gill on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and that was something that he and I talked about was, you now have the Sun Belt with realignment. You now have these pockets in a geographically sensible layout, these pockets of like-minded fan bases. Like, no matter if it's Southern Miss, Marshall, Coastal, you go to James Madison, you even go to, you know, Texas State. They're all these diehard, rabid, passionate fan bases. And I've always been a big fan of college. My dad and I have always gone head to head on this. My dad prefers pro sports. I have always preferred college sports. And my rationale behind it has always been the passion, the pageantry, the history, the rivalry. And I really feel like the regionality of it too, which is something that has been a lost art until now of college athletics. You know, obviously college athletics has turned into big business. We see the Big Ten grabbing two Pac-12 teams to expand their TV reach. But that's why I love what Keith Gill and the Sun Belt did about the regionality of it. And I feel like it's just so old school. I, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm a young guy, so what do I know about old school? But it just feels like old old school college athletics. I completely agree. I, I think the foresight of Keith Gill uh, should be applauded each and every time we get an opportunity to do it because bringing these schools together in a geographical sense to where I understand we stretch from Virginia all the way to San Marcos, but there's so many schools in, in connection that have history with each other. And, you know, I, I agree, Jake, and I think passion and energy, I think rivalries in sports are healthy. I think it's what makes the sport what it is. Um, you know, I mean, South Alabama and Southern Miss are separated by an hour and a half drive down one highway. I mean, you know, you can't buy that kind of rivalry in the in the world of sports, right? Especially, as you mentioned, when the Big Ten is going to have teams playing from you know, what, Pennsylvania to, to Southern California, right? Like, you know, so I'm with you. I think passion is a good thing. I think these natural rivalries that are going to be developed through this conference are just amazing. Look, you're going to have two teams this football season in Southern Miss and App State go battle inside a stadium where they both share the same stadium name. You want to talk about <laughs> rabid fan bases. App State plays in the Rock and Southern Miss plays in the Rock in Hattiesburg. Like, you want to talk about two fan bases going to be pretty rabid on social media that fall. I, I would imagine that's going to be 
pretty darn special. And I think Commissioner Gill having that foresight to say, we're going to be different than these other conferences. We are going to think geographically. We are going to think passion and rabidness, if you will. I think, yeah, should be commended. And I think, you know, five, seven, 10 years down the road, we're going to look back and think, wow, what a move because this conference has developed so much internally because of how close geographically these institutions are. And I think you're already seeing it. I, th I think crowds have been fantastic in the road arenas that I've been to on the women's side. And um, there's a lot of passion there. You know, people in Boone, North Carolina love App State. People in Huntington love Marshall. You know, I, I experienced a San Marcos crowd for the first time this past weekend. And look, man, it got 48-47 and about six seconds left in that game. And that place got raucous. And so, you know, I think those elements, while maybe minuscule in all that is factoring into conference success, I just think it is a factor. And I think the Sunbelt Conference recognizing that passion and energy and, and a location proximity is an important factor. And I think we're going to see that pay a dividend later on down the road. Jason, I'll get you out of here on this one. I'm going to put you on the hot seat for a second because you brought it up, okay. the travel aspect. What's been your favorite place to visit so far that you haven't been before? Oh, that I haven't been before. Well, that's the that's the kicker of that. Boone, North Carolina was really cool. San Marcos, I got to tell you, man, the history inside that building, inside the Strahan Arena was really, really neat. Southern Miss had a, a very cool connection from Joyla McNellis, actually met her husband there, worked for her husband there at Texas State. And so for us to be able to kind of go back down in that memory lane with Coach this past weekend, her husband came on the trip. He doesn't typically travel, um, but he traveled out there and uh, wanted to be back at Texas State, a place that he coached for three seasons as a head coach there in the women's basketball world. And so that was pretty special, Jake. If if I'm going to be honest, I've you know you got me with the kicker of you know not being. <laughs> there before because Huntington's a special place that I always enjoy traveling to. But um, yeah, with, without being there before, I, I would tell you Boone, Boone so far was, was pretty special and San Marcos was right there with it. Yeah. I had Dustin Kearns on the pod last week or two weeks ago, actually, and uh, head coach at App State men's basketball. And uh, he talked about that. He, he said, you know, I, I've had a chance. I've been fortunate to cover coach Kearns since he was at Presbyterian. And he even mentioned that, yeah. that getting to coach at Boone and, you know, up on the mountain and, you know, the, the, the beauty and the scenery and the passion. And so, and you talk about, we talked about rivalries a minute ago. I mean, Marshall is my alma mater. There's an old Southern Conference rivalry right there. You know, App State yeah. and Marshall, they they have so much history in all sports. And so it's just, it's great all around. I, I, I'll i tell you what, I look forward to the conference tournament in Pensacola. I'm very excited to go down there. Uh, I know I'm going to immediately catch up with you and all the coaches. Yeah. We're going to do an episode of the podcast down in Pensacola. I'm very excited. But Jason, thank you so much for taking the time. Best of luck the rest of the year. Have safe travels, man. Jay, appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me on and uh, looking forward to more around the sun.
Those Golden Eagles not just getting it done on the hardwood on the women's side, they're getting it done on the men's side as well as we switch gears to Sunbelt men's basketball. Those standings have been a mess all year on the men's side. Right now, though, starting to have a little bit of a clearer picture as things shake out. Southern Miss and Louisiana, 8-2 and two right now, identical records atop the conference. Louisiana did beat Southern Miss earlier this year. However, they'll have another matchup coming later on this month. Louisiana looking to take the season series against the Golden Eagles. The Raging Cajuns have won eight straight games. Southern Miss has won five straight, and the Golden Eagles have shaken off the rust of that 22-point loss to Marshall earlier this year. Those same thundering herd, seven and three. One of the more surprising results in conference play this past weekend was Marshall's loss at home to Keith Richard, the former Marshall assistant coach, and his ULM Warhawks, a double OT victory in Huntington for ULM, 86-82. It's just the second time a team has come into the Cam Henderson Center this year and beaten Marshall. James Madison, the other. Those Dukes have won back-to-back games. They beat Coastal Carolina over the weekend and took down ULM, so the Warhawks unable to really bottle up any of that momentum. But looking ahead... A huge week coming up for the Ragin' Cajuns, who we talked about, who have won eight straight. A matchup with Texas State, and then the one everyone is paying attention to. February 4th, Saturday at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. Marshall and Louisiana will battle on ESPN+. As we look at the latest bracketology from ESPN's Joe Lenardi, He has the Raging Cajuns as a new addition to his field, projecting they will win the Sunbelt Conference AQ. Remember, Louisiana were the preseason favorites, played for the conference title last year as an 8 seed, the first time that's ever happened. 13 seed is what Lenardi has the Raging Cajuns projected as. They'd head to Albany to take on Iowa State, and then in the 5-12 matchup, UConn and Kent State. As mentioned, though, just a few minutes ago, things have been really a mess all year in the Sunbelt men's basketball standings, and our next guest has been covering Sunbelt and college basketball at large for so many years. He joins us now to help make sense of everything. Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated joins the podcast now to talk Sunbelt men's basketball. Kevin, thanks for jumping on. I know you're a busy guy, and it's the busy point of the year, so I appreciate it. Yeah, we're just we're just heating up. Uh, February upon us was is pretty crazy to me. It feels like yesterday I was like going through the the first day slate of the year, but uh, here we are, and it's it's been fu- it's been a fun ride. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I can't believe it's February already. I mean, I think I saw a tweet that we're sixty some days away from Selection Sunday, if that. I mean, it's it seems like the season has just flown by. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's it always does, but I think this year in particular, I think because there haven't been like a consistent stretch of dominance from any one team. I think it's just made it be like, snap your fingers. There we go. It's February 1st. Let's do this thing. Well, that's a good place to start with the Sun Belt, talking about, you know, lack of of stretch of dominance because it's kind of been a log jam, you know, in the standings. Southern Miss and Louisiana right now, eight and two. Marshall nipping at their heels at seven and three. Those have really been the three teams, Kevin, that I feel as though a lot of people have circled in on as the three favorites. In your opinion, from that bunch, maybe who has the longest staying power? I think I would probably say Marshall, just because I think they're probably the most balanced and they have the superstar, right? I think when you combine those two things, you feel pretty good that you have a chance to 
to win in March and you have a chance to maintain it. But I, I think all of these teams, I, I, I just, I don't see a team winning out. I don't think a team running through the rest of this league. I think teams are going to continue to take losses. Teams are going to continue to balance it out. I think even some of the teams in that next year, like I think app state has a chance to make a push here. And they have some really good, really good young players. Like it, it's so balanced. It's funny because I remember the preseason just being like completely transfixed, trying to figure out how to rank these teams. And I remember I texted three different Sunbelt coaches from three different staffs. And I was like, give me your top five. What, 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 who, who would you have in the top five? And the first guy had Georgia state first. And the second guy had Georgia state 10th. He sends me his whole standings projection. I was like, all right, that kind of year, I guess. Uh, and sure enough, I mean, it's been as unpredictable as you can get. So I don't think that will change here down the stretch. Um, but I think if you asked me, like, gun to my head, who's the best team in the league? Maybe who's the best team, that, the team that has the best chance to maybe make some noise in March when they get there? To me, that would be Marshall. And it's so weird with Marshall. The Thundering Herd a season ago, a 12-win team. And normally when you see teams like this that have such a great turnaround the following year, they've sort of restocked through the portal. But Marshall and Dan D'Antoni kind of doing it the old school way. Is that You cover a lot of college basketball nationally. How unique is that, that this Marshall team elected not to go portal and just kind of say, you know, we're just going to play better next year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more and more rare, I think, it's funny because 10 years ago, you would have, if you were a team like Marshall, you could bring a lot back, but you struggled the year before. You say, all right, we're going to bet on our internal improvement. And now there's no reason to, right? Like why why leave it to chance when you could get proven dudes? And I think, you know, they they did a nice job taking, you know, the, the Kerfman kid who's helped them. I mean, they looked and they said, look, we have a problem defensively. Like that was that was the biggest issue last year defensively and they didn't shoot it great all right let's go get shooting in defense and they got a big guy who could protect the rim and they got a guy who can shoot the three all right there we go now we're really good i think the gap between winning and losing is not that large in college basketball and that sounds very like coach cliche but like it's funny talking to like staffs literally every day and it's like Man, we are one power forward away from being really good. And I'm like, you're in last right now. But but like, did you think that? You're like, no, no, you're you're right. And I think Marshall was the example of a team that, when you when you looked at the record, it didn't necessarily um, convey how close they were to being pretty good. And so, you know, you get back to work. You bet on some of the internal prov- improvement. You bet on your experience, and they certainly have that with you know a couple of veterans like Kinsey and and Taylor and. I think when you have that and you you add in one or two pieces to the pot, whether that be transfer or high school kid, and I think there's a really good um, argument in this day and age to take high school kids because everyone, if, you, if you're swimming in the same pool that everyone else is swimming in, it gets pretty hard to you know move anywhere, right? And I think that, that's happened with a lot of teams trying to go in the portal. And I think there were opportunities to get high school kids you couldn't usually get. Marshall did that and uh, guys got better and here they are, as, you know, maybe the best team in the league. It's really exciting. Really, really, really a good illustration of like how how quickly things can change, because I think, again, last year was not pretty. And I think they've just done a really good job of, of betting on what they had. And you got to be confident, right? You have to be you have to be like, like there are a lot of coaches who wouldn't have the backbone to do what Dan Tony did. And part of that's just like he's old and probably doesn't care that much what people think about him. Um, but part of that is also you have to believe in your own program. And he did. And it's paying off. 
very Dan D'Antoni esque to march to the beat of your own drum. That's one thing I've I've learned about him, getting to know him. He that guy marches to the beat of his own drum, and 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 kudos to him. Uh, sticking with the Marshall theme, very quickly, uh, your co-host on the field of '68, Jeff Goodman, is an unabashed Tavion Kinsey supporter. He has always been a Tavion Kinsey guy. Do you feel like Kinsey is probably the just overall number one draftable guy coming out of the Sun Belt this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, when you have a guy who's as athletic as he is, who can pass um, and who, you know, while the shot hasn't really come around, just finds ways to impact the game in multiple ways. You know, that's that's huge. And at the end of the day, also, like he looks the part like you go watch him in like a layup line. There's no there's no there's no questioning who the dude on Marshall is that you're supposed to watch during the game. Uh, he, he's been really good. I think he's a chance. I don't know you know, what, what that will look like, whether that's, you know, maybe like a two way or an exhibit 10 contract, maybe the summer league, but um, there's something to be said about guys who've gotten better every year. And he certainly has. Earlier, you, you mentioned the phrase, you know, you can go get guys in the portal that are proven guys. And one team that has done that was Southern Miss who won seven games ago or seven games a season ago, I should say right now, eight and two in conference, 19 and four overall. I had Jay Ladner on the first episode of this podcast, Love talking to Coach Ladner. He he lauded the guys he brought in in the portal. After that beatdown they suffered, though, at Marshall, I feel like a lot of people had some concerns about Southern Miss's viability. Have you liked what you've seen from the Golden Eagles and how they responded to getting blown out on national TV? Yeah, I mean, 100%. That was, that was the, the perfect response. And again, part of that is they played four home games and a road game against probably the worst team in the league in that stretch. Um, those are games you have to win if you want to be a contender at the top of the league. But I think when you're dealing with a program that has lost as much as Southern Miss has in the last couple of seasons and really for quite a long time, um, you're always kind of waiting for what's the moment that will cause the wheels to fall off. And it was a, a sign of maturity in this group. And part of that's because of the transfers they brought in, the experienced guys who've been through some wars in college basketball, um, that they've been able to kind of weather the storm and, I think they have a really, really dynamic team with their their size, their physicality, their ability to force turnovers, their their ability to get on the off, on the offensive glass. So, I know it's a big uh, big weekend ahead for them. It's always tough with those those double road weekends, but I think you know they've proven to be legit. Whether they can get a, get over the finish line and win the league or win the conference tournament, we'll see. But I think they've certainly shown that this is not this this start wasn't fluky. It wasn't based on the schedule. It wasn't. You know, this, that, or the other thing, they've got some staying power. Louisiana has won eight straight games. They're currently tied atop the standings with Southern Miss. They started 0-2. They were the preseason favorites. Last year, they played in the title game as an eight seed. First time that's ever happened. You know, no sneaking up on anybody this year, especially when you have a guy like Jordan Brown on the team. They seem to be putting it together at the right time. Does it feel like Bob Marlin's team has peaked at the right time? Well, sometimes you worry about peaking too early. I remember last year, like Auburn was the January national champions. And you hope that, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're, if you're Louisiana, you don't want to be the January, uh, January Sunbelt champions, but they're playing really, really good basketball right now. And I think, you know, I, I'm not necessarily surprised by that because I think last year's group just took forever to mesh together. Cause they had so many talented pieces, so many personalities, so many guys who expected touches. And I just think, They've almost simplified it with the guys that they, the, the guys that left and the guys that they brought in, and they have a more kind of cohesive unit around one of the most, you know, 
dynamic players in the conference in Jordan Brown who could play anywhere in the country, you know, was a rotation player in the back 12, you don't get a lot of those guys moving down and he's been, you know, as advertised. So, um, you know, I think they're the way that they're shooting the ball right now. I don't know how sustainable it is. It's kind of low volume, high percentage. If that starts to regress on them, things could get difficult because again, you're going to see teams just throw all their attention at Brown, especially um, come, you know, conference tournament time, because you got to take away the best players. But um, right now they're playing extremely, extremely well. Uh, and I think the schedule is, you know, relatively manageable down the stretch. So they've got as good a chance as any to, to win this regular season title. Raging Cajuns haven't lost since December 31st against Old Dominion uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. You know, a lot, Kevin, has been made about the additions to the Sun Belt, and, and I had Commissioner Keith Gill on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about wanting to improve the Sun Belt's image in, in men's and women's basketball. The question becomes, obviously the Sun Belt has improved, but do you feel like the Sun Belt has improved around the newcomers, or do you think the newcomers have improved the Sun Belt, if that makes sense? I think this year it's hard – to not say that the newcomers have been a huge catalyst for how good the league has been, but I don't necessarily think from like a program standpoint, that's something that will be maintained. Not that old dominion. I mean, old dominion has been you know, the worst of the newcomers and they have probably the best kind of on paper program of the, of the group. I think Matt James Madison has great potential. Obviously Southern Miss is starting to get it going. And, and I think, Marshall has is a job where you can certainly win, but I, I don't know that those programs are necessarily like on paper, hugely improving what the league had from a 30,000 foot view. They've just kind of timed it right in terms of when they came in the league and what they had to make the league a little bit more competitive this year. And to be 15th in the, the Ken Palm standings uh, or Ken Palm conference rankings, I think is a, is a nice, nice look for the league. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know that those are, like it's not like you know you're adding a ten programs to some dollar like things like that. I don't I don't see the resources or the investment being all that different. I'd have to look at the numbers, but to me, it's just good coaches and good timing more than anything else. I'm glad you brought up the Ken Palm rankings because man, I use Ken Palm for just about everything. It's such a great resource. But uh, real quick before we let you go, I want to play a game of contender or pretender, but Sun Belt style. So I'm gonna say a team. And I'm going to ask you if they're the sun is rising or setting on their stock. And I'm going to go with James Madison. Is the sun rising or setting on their stock to potentially win the league? I think it's setting. Um, I, I think they have a, a really dynamic offensive team and that's scary when you play them in March. But I think some of the, the the weakness of their schedule early on, I think, is starting to to show its weight now that they're playing, you know, tough conference games. You mentioned App State a minute ago. I had Brian Ralph on the podcast earlier this year, and he said App State was his dark horse to win the league. So, sun rising or sun setting on maybe their chances to sneak in and and get back to the NCAA tournament. Well, I wish I could answer this one in a week after they play Marshall and James Madison, but <laughs> I, I, I'll take rising. I think every time I watch them, I, I always think you know they're so close. Like they're just, they're right there to get over the finish line that a couple in the non-con where they were right there against good teams like Furman and Wake Forest. And I've been impressed when I've watched them uh, here lately in conference play. So I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy a little stock. And I think Dustin Kearns is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. He does a tremendous job there. 
Yeah, I had a chance to cover Coach Kearns at Presbyterian and then cover him at App State. He's a great guy. He's a great guy, and I love his, his mantra, take the stairs. Louisiana Monroe coming off a big win against Marshall but then couldn't really build upon that. Do you feel like Keith Richard's bunch maybe has what it takes to get over the hump? Not a contender for me, but if there was a conference coach of the year award, I think it should go to, to coach Richard because of the job you think about starting zero and eight against division one competition. Uh, and then to turn around and have some, not only, not only start six and three, six and four in the league, but also get some really nice wins, you know, to win at Marshall, um, to win at Georgia Southern, who's been playing a little bit better to beat Texas state. Who's been, you know, at the top of the league, you know, the last couple of seasons, like, They've turned it around midseason with some of those those transfers. I think have just taken time to gel it together. But if Blackman and Lokira keep playing well, they have a chance to be a little a uh, little dark horse team here in the uh, down the stretch race at the Sun Belt. Warhawks were picked 14th in the Sun Belt preseason poll. Right now, they find themselves in a three way tie for fourth place. Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate you jumping on and talking Sun Belt basketball and. Man, I'll tell you what, it uh, it should be a wild finish coming down the stretch. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Appreciate you having me on. Eight straight victories for the Raging Cajuns. They'll look to make it 10 straight wins with games against Texas State and Marshall this weekend. You talk about a team that can score with the best of them. The field goal percentage, insane. Shooting the 12th highest field goal percentage of any team in the nation. They shoot the 6th highest three-point percentage, and that all results in the 21st highest scoring offense in the country, just shy of 81 points per game. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they can fill it up offensively, up to 93rd in the latest net rankings, 18-4 and four overall. You knew they weren't going to sneak up on anybody. After what they did last year, they put it together late, made a romp to the conference title game. They were the preseason favorites. They had the preseason player of the year in Jordan Brown, the transfer from Arizona. And now things are really starting to come together for Bob Marlin's bunch. And we are pleased now to be joined by the head coach of the Raging Cajuns. Louisiana head men's basketball coach Bob Marlin joins the podcast now. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Your raging Cajuns are red hot right now, and I know it's a, it's a busy time down on the bayou. Yeah, it's been uh, a good 23 so far. We had a perfect January. We finished out at 8-0, and now we're one game into the second half, which we won on Saturday night versus Georgia Southern, so... Uh, we're playing good basketball at times and excited about the month of February. It's an eight-game win streak for your team, Coach. You were able to overcome an 0-2 start to conference play. What have you learned about your team since this win streak? We've just come together more as a team. I think we were always connected, but we're even deeper connected now. And, uh, the Coastal Carolina game, the opener on the road, we had a control of that game and let it go late and uh, had a couple things go against us in the last four minutes that really hurt us. We lose by one. And then we lose by four at Old Dominion after being down by 20. I come back and, and get that game within two. So we were frustrated because we expected to win those games and the guys came home and had the right mindset uh, for our league home opener, which was against Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. 
looking at your uh, looking at your roster, you've got guys like Jordan Brown, Greg Williams Jr., uh, Terrence Lewis, Themis Falks, and they're all really unselfish guys. And it seems like you know, when one maybe having an off night, another can step up. I, I think thirty seven combined points uh, earlier this year against Southern Miss between Falks and Williams Jr. Do you like how unselfish your bunch is this year? That, like I said, you know, it's not just about the individual; it's about the team. You know, they do a great job moving the basketball and shooting the basketball, celebrating each other's successes. Uh, goes back to when I when we went to Puerto Rico this past August, and we spent a week down there together. Uh, but the guys really pass the ball well. Folks is fifth in the country in assists. Mm-hmm. Looking at the Ken Palm rankings, Ken Palm has your team uh, as the 100th ranked team in the country. And like I said, eight straight wins. You sit eight and two in conference play. But I want to talk about you for a second because you've had such a, uh, a, I think, an interesting coaching journey. Before we started recording, you talked about being at the JUCO level. You were a graduate assistant at ULM. You've been at Sam Houston State. You've been at Alabama. For you, what's this coaching journey been like and how rewarding has it been? It's been awesome. Uh, basketball's been very important in my life, obviously. And I was blessed to get in with good coaches and learn and then be able to take that to Pensacola in my first head coaching job and win the national championship there. We turned the same Houston program around there and did a great job, and, and it's in good hands. And then came here when things weren't going well and, and stabilized this program and got it consistent. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, certainly worked with, again, with a ton of great assistant coaches, and great players, and uh, it's just been a blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing about Louisiana I find so interesting is the name of your house arena, the Cajun Dome. Do you think, and I know you're biased, obviously, because you're the coach there, do you think that's the coolest arena name of, for any team in the country? <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Uh, certainly it is unique. It's different. Uh, a few years ago, uh, the 27-win team in 2017-18, we had a swamp court uh, oh, similar to Oregon's forest court. And it was it was unique for sure, but uh, we've gotten away from that sense. But we love the Cajun Dome. It's a, it's a big place, and uh, it gets very loud. Mm-hmm. Looking at some season stats for your team, Coach, it's been a very hot start offensively this year, 12th in the country. And field goal percentage, you're one of the highest scoring offenses in the country, 21st overall, third in the Sun Belt. I know, obviously, there's always the coach's adage that defense wins championships, but sometimes better offense is, is better than good defense. Do you feel like your team has the offensive firepower to to get through and, and get to that NCAA tournament goal? Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, offensively, we've shown that we're good in the low post. Jordan Brown's one of the best post scores in the country, in my opinion, and he's done a tremendous job. And our, we, we've shot the three-point shot well, too, with, I believe, maybe six in the country and three-point go percentage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, offensively, we've been really good, and uh, you got to score to win games on the road sometimes and overcome some things. Right, so we we know that offense is important, but defense is is where we're going to get uh, to to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. 
Looking at the stretch of games coming up for your team, you've got Texas State and Marshall and then Southern Miss on the road as well as Troy and then back at home against Louisiana Monroe and then James Madison. That's obviously a, a big stretch of games. And I love picking coaches' brain about this because there are some coaches that they sort of let the schedule talk for itself and the games and the magnitude. And there are some coaches that go in the locker room and they hype it up and say, hey, these are big games. I'm curious, what is your mentality when it comes to big stretches of games? You know, do you go in the locker room and sort of rah-rah motivate your team or are they self-starters in that regard? The best teams I've had are self-starters. They're they're the leaders of the team. Different guys drive the bus on different nights. Um, We do motivate occasionally, but when you have 30 opportunities to play, you you can't go in and rah-rah every night. Uh, We respect everyone in the conference. We started off with six of eight on the road. I think James Madison had the same schedule. Now it's flipped, and uh, we'll have more home games down the stretch, but uh, just take it game by game, and we're focused on Texas State right now. Mm-hmm. I know, obviously, the preseason poll has long been out and long been, you know, tacked up on the board. For your team, you appeared in the championship game last year, and then you come in as the preseason favorites with the preseason player of the year. When you have a maybe a target like that on your back where you're going to get everybody's best game, you know, how does that maybe change the mentality of, of the season? Or, or is that something your team welcomes, wanting that target on their back? We're used to it, Jake. We, we've had this for years. Uh, and... Everyone comes to Cajun Dome. They think it's, a, you know, the nicest arena in the league. You know, that may differ opinion now with the new schools that have come in because all those arenas are nice, too. But we always get everyone's best shot. And so we welcome the challenge. Uh, we know that we've got to be consistent, steady in our approach. And our guys have done a great job on focusing what we can do. Mm-hmm. Talking with Bob Marlin, head coach of Louisiana men's basketball. Coach, I'll let you get out of here here shortly. I have one question for you, and I'm going to put you on the spot. I love talking to the coaches around the Sun Belt Conference about this. Where's your favorite place to eat down in Lafayette, Louisiana, or where's one place you would recommend to an outsider? Oh, there's so many great places here. Uh, you can't go wrong with Don Seafood. It's a staple here in, in town, always crowded. But there's so many good places to eat and local uh, mom and pop family restaurants all through the city. And they do better than the chains in, in most situations. So uh, the food is fantastic. The people are fantastic. And uh, Lafayette was voted the happiest city in the country mm-hmm. a few years ago. So uh, we have a great time here. You know, I talked to Troy women's basketball coach Shanda Rigby for the podcast earlier uh, in the season, and although she lives in Alabama now, you know, she said, hey, Louisiana has the best food of any state in America. Is that a sentiment that you would, would echo? Yeah, I would endorse that for sure. <laughs> and uh, Coach Rigby is a former Pensacola junior college coach like mm-hmm. myself. Uh, on the women's side, had great success there, and... Uh, uh, she, she knows her food. <laughs> you know, you being a former JUCO guy, before I let you get out of here, do you feel like small college basketball, junior college, NAIA, even D2 in the NCAA, do you feel like it gets the respect that it deserves? Not at times. Uh, you know, every, every 
team and any conference on any level, it's always very competitive. And I think some of the best coaching jobs are done at, at Division Three and even JUCO levels. So I love the game. I love it on all sides. And I, I think those levels do get underappreciated at times. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you stopping by, talking a little bit of sort of everything under the sun, Louisiana food and JUCO basketball. Bob Marlin, head coach of Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who have won eight straight games. Big stretch coming up for your team, Coach. Best of luck, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jay. As I've done the last couple of weeks, I like to give you two games I'm paying attention to, one on the men's side, one on the women's side. The men's side, that's a pretty easy pick. Marshall and Louisiana, Saturday, February 4th, an 8 p.m. Eastern tip-off. That one, two of the top performing teams in the Sunbelt Conference. A lot of people think that this could be a preview of maybe the Sunbelt Championship game later on this year down in Pensacola. The Thundering Herd and Raging Cajuns played last year in Huntington in what was Marshall's final year in Conference USA. An early preview of what could be a long-standing rivalry potentially in the Sunbelt Conference. A quick key to the game between the Herd and Cajuns. I think this game could be won on the glass. You look at the Ken Palm four factors. Louisiana has the 44th highest offensive rebounding percentage of any team in the country per Ken Palm. They pulled down an offensive board on 33.5% of their attempts. Meanwhile, Marshall gives up an offensive rebound on 33.3. That's 332nd in Ken Palm's metric, toward the bottom of the metric. So whatever team can control the offensive glass, you have to keep in mind Marshall, they're a prolific offensive rebounding team in their own right. Toward the top in the national rankings, they lead the Sun Belt in offensive rebounds, and they pulled down an offensive board on 34.1% of attempts. On the women's side, the game to watch, again, a Saturday contest featuring the Ragin' Cajuns. This time, it's Troy and Louisiana. We touched on it earlier in the show that the Ragin' Cajuns on the women's side have won four straight games, six of their last seven Troy sits atop the conference standings. This will be such a fantastic chess match between Shanda Rigby and Gary Broadhead, the head coach of Louisiana. Offense versus defense is the key. You look at this Troy team, eighth highest scoring offense in the country. They made the 15th most free throws of any team, 12th most attempts of any team, but they're not just an offensive juggernaut. They can turn you over, too. Tenth in the country in steals per game. They average 12 a game. Meanwhile, Louisiana defense has been the Raging Cajuns' calling card. They don't score a lot. They average less than 60 points per game, but they only give up 56. That's the 33rd best scoring defense of any team in the country. 85th in the nation in steals per game. 56th best turnover margin, but also they like to control the glass. 12.9 offensive rebounds per game, 87th in the nation. So again, just like in the men's matchup featuring the Raging Cajuns, in this battle between Trojans and Cajuns, who can control the glass? That will be the difference maker in this. Before we go, a look at the Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod. A reminder, Her Hoop Stats, your home for all analytical insights and news and notes around the game of women's basketball, whether that's WNBA or college ball. Her Hoop Stats has been in existence since 2017. Check them out. They have subscription-based and free services. Our Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod this week goes to 
The Troy Trojans, who lead the country in possessions per 40 minutes, averaging 82.4 possessions per 40 minutes. That checks out when you compare it with Shanda Rigby's philosophy of wanting to play up-tempo basketball. I mean, she has the eighth highest scoring offense in the country right now for a reason. It's like a wise philosopher once said, I want to go fast, Ricky Bobby. Well, that's all the time we have on this edition of the Under the Sun podcast. I'm Jake Griffith. We'd like to thank our guests for stopping by, Kevin Sweeney, Jason Baker, and Bob Marlin from Louisiana Men's Basketball. We'd also like to thank you for tuning in to this episode. Six episodes in, things are just now heating up in the Sun Belt Conference. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Under the Sun. 